morning, everybody. How's it going today? Good to see you. How many of you are, your hands are warmed up from coming in today? Normally I greet at the very front, but today I wussed out and came to the inside. I'm like, I'll greet people on the inside. It's too cold today. Well, hey, we're going to bring up our panel of experts today. We've got Art and Jerry West. Give them a hand. Yeah. And we got Judah. He's coming up today. Yeah. Come on, Judah. All right. Have a seat, you guys. Oh, man. He's too, he's too strong. He's been roiding. He's been roiding. So this is our expert panel today to discuss the Oregon Ducks coaching search and what we feel. No, I'm just totally kidding. Uh, yeah, some of you are like, all right, this is the best day ever. Some of the ladies are like, this is the worst day ever in church. Um, well, hey, we're, we're, we're excited to be here today on a Sunday. I want to say a welcome to Joy Church UO over at University of Oregon. We're so excited to be uh, meeting together today, and we're continuing. We're actually capping off and finalizing our Loveology series, and so we're doing something special today. Um, I didn't just need backup up here, you know, with more friends, even though I love these guys. Yeah, I got the muscle right here. I'm talking about Jerry, though, yeah. not, yeah. Um, uh, we're doing a, a panel today, uh, just kind of getting some, some perspectives on, on the series that we've been in. And if you haven't been with us in our Loveology series, the Loveology series has been all about love. Everybody say, love, love. Talking about romance, relationships, dating, sex, marriage, all those kind of things. And so we have our expert panel up today. And without further ado, we're going to jump in and start asking some questions. Why don't we... Um, Whatever you say, dear. <laughs> we have, so Jake says, this is Art and Jerry West. Why don't you guys tell us how long you've been married? So we can, you know, we can see if yeah. we can trust you or... Yeah. Married? <laughs> uh, February 11th, it'll be 40 years. Come on. And... Uh, just so you wonder, that's the day Jerry officially qualifies for sainthood, um, yeah. <laughs> having been married to me for 40 years. That's awesome. That's good. And Judah? How long have you been single? How long, how long have you been single? I've been, uh, I've been married for like negative, you know, yeah. one or two years. I don't know. We'll see. Um, my whole life. Oh. He's an expert. I'm, I'm so good at it. Yeah. That's great. You've got to go with what you're good at. All right, so our first question for, um, this would be specifically maybe for Art and Jerry, oh, oh, Judah, but um, <laughs> how do you rekindle the spark in marriage if you feel it's gone out? How do you rekindle the spark in marriage if you feel it's gone out? Waka, 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 waka. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Um, we've done some classes with people on uh, marriage classes. And to me, it comes down to a commitment. You have to be willing to rekindle that flame, good. which means for men, you've got to make your wife a priority. You've really got to l learn. You know after 40 years what their love languages are. But if it hasn't been that long for you, Learn what the love languages are. There's a book by Chapman, Five Love Languages. Begin to speak her love languages to her. <laughs> Begin to make her a priority. Um, I don't know how many of you know me or not, but I've been in law enforcement for about 30 years. And when we were first married, I worked for Los Angeles Police Department. Well, it required a lot of, if you make an arrest at the end of your shift or you're investigating something, of being there extra hours. And I noticed that a lot of the guys I worked with they didn't call their wives and tell them they were going to be late. Or, and, of course, if you're the wife of a cop, what do you think when your husband hasn't called and he's two hours late? You know, you think he's been shot and killed. So I always made a commitment and a promise that I would call her to Good. let her know that I was safe, but I had to work overtime. As a matter of fact, 
I even had our dispatch center sometimes call her to let her know that my <laughs> shift was extended. So you have to make your wife uh, a priority. So it takes a commitment, but it's well worth it. It's good. I think also um, communication is a real key and learning to listen to each other, um, not be just thinking how you're going to respond, but really listening to each other. And I think another thing is just have fun, find silly things to laugh about. Um, we were just the other day, I had Christmas music on. It's like, hey, let's dance, you know? I mean, just do spontaneous fun things. That's great. I'm take, I'm, you taking notes, babe? <laughs> I am. <clears throat> this is good stuff. You want me to ask yeah, this I'll, one? I'll ask the next okay. one here. Um, Judah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you guys love Judah? Come on. Yeah, I love Judah. Uh, Judah, are there thanks, any... Matt. Thanks, are there any benefits to loneliness? And this is, why can, are you laughing? Can this loneliness is seriously said? Can loneliness serve as a life discipline? Yeah, that's an amazing question for single people. I think also you don't have to be single to be lonely, and all of us encounter these seasons of loneliness yeah. in our lives. And you see, even uh, not not to like preach too much, but in the Bible, some amazing characters like Jesus, Moses, David, all went through seasons of loneliness. So we know that it's valuable, but yeah. how is it valuable? I think loneliness as a single person is is valuable because of the opportunity that it gives you. Um, we all, everybody wants to belong to somewhere or someone and seasons of loneliness make that feeling of wanting to belong so, so much stronger, I think. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways you could turn from there. Uh, you could turn to try to belong to, you know, a group of friends, maybe that's good for you or bad for you, mm -hmm. you could try to, maybe maybe the loneliness uh, in, in our lives can sometimes get so hard that, that we make the wrong decision, we turn to um, things that we shouldn't uh, to kind of like take away the pain of loneliness. But I think the right thing to do with loneliness is take it to, uh, we're the only place I believe it's really fulfilled, which is uh, a relationship with God, and to take that season of loneliness and really to fill it with the thing, the only thing uh, that, that's designed, uh, God designed us to be in relationship. That's why we feel those seasons of loneliness. And he designed us specifically to be in a relationship with him. So, good. so loneliness, I think, what the question was, is there a benefit? Yeah, there's a yeah. massive benefit. You are forced to, to, to look for that thing that's going to satisfy you, which is God. It's good. Good stuff. So let's say you don't, you're new to being a Christian, you're a new follower of Jesus, and you're really lonely. What does that mean to, um, like, what does that specifically mean to pursue your relationship with God? How do you, like, specifically do that? Uh, I think we, yeah, we define that amazingly in Next Track. So I'm just going to tell take Next Track. All right. Um, but it, it looks like a lot of things. It looks like just talking to God, listening to God, saying, God, you know, if you don't, maybe you're just wanting to begin a relationship with God. What is it like to, uh, um, you know, ask God, hey, God, can you speak to me? Uh, I want to hear you. I want to know you. I want to get to know you. And then it also looks like getting around people, uh, you know, fellow, like people who, other people who are pursuing God. Um, and honestly, uh, in, in a season of loneliness and singleness, you can find amazing comfort in the family of God. Come on. Um, I think that's good. Is that that's good? It's good. It's great. Yeah. Can I say something on the loneliness side of things? 
Um, I'm still clapping. I was. I think. I think with loneliness too. One of the things that that we do is we typically associate loneliness with pain and and you know that you're wanting this relationship, but you can you can actually harness that and say, you know what, I'm gonna turn this into fuel to fuel me in my endeavors. And I would specifically speak this to those of you that are between, let's say, 12 and 20 years old. So our teens, and you don't have to wave at me because that's embarrassing or whatever, I know. But, but those, you know, I remember my teen years, I longed for a relationship. Lucky for me, I was a fat weirdo, so I couldn't get a relationship, <laughs> even if I wanted. But uh, I longed for a relationship. And what that longing actually created in me was this desire. You know what? I'm not going to be in a relationship right now. That's not uh, in the cards for me, and, and and honestly, it wasn't even, my parents weren't even going to allow it if it was in the cards, and the girl would like me. It wasn't going to happen anyways. So what I did is I said, you know what, I'm going to take this time and invest in my relationship with God, invest in my education. Use that time well. Don't waste your season of loneliness. It's a yeah. gift where you can have focus. Yeah. You can focus on who God's called you to be. You can learn who you are, and then when it's time to to begin to explore relationships, you're going to be com- more confident, more prepared, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. That's good. Okay, so if you if you aren't married, but you've already had sex, what is the point of waiting until marriage? Art. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we live in a, a society where uh, sex is everywhere. It's on TV. It's, I mean, you can get on the internet. It's terrible. And the fact of the matter is that, that each time you have a new partner, and, and you're involved with them in an intimate way, there's a connection there that's made and broken. And so rather than compound the mistake uh, you've made, it's best to, to come back to God and save that for that special when you're married person as opposed to just continue on and the mistakes made. Well, you know, I've, I, I guess I've done it once. So, hey, you know, what's uh, 80 or 90 times? Um, you, you destroy a little part of yourself. God has made us beings where we connect one to another. And if you just continue in that lifestyle, it's going to destroy a part of you. So the best is to wait. Um, this may surprise a lot of you, but I've made mistakes in my life. And no. I've gone to God for forgiveness. And he's a gracious and a loving God. And that also Good. can be forgiven. But save it and, and don't destroy any more of that precious intimacy that God has created between two people. That's good. Really good answer. Anybody else want to pipe in on that? Jerry, you feel free to. Judy, you want to? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It's really good. All right. How do you learn to trust again when you've been in relationships where trust was broken? So how do you learn to trust again? Anybody want to take a crack at this one? Um, It's a hard one because um, I I was in a ministry working with women who had been betrayed, and sometimes you don't know if that trust, you know, to get it back is so hard. And um, I think the betrayer is kind of like, well, I, you know, I do this and this and this, so you should trust me again now. She's pointing at you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no, no, he's a good guy. Anyway. you know, everybody makes mistakes and everything, but trust, um, I think it's just a, through a, a work, God working in you. Um, he is amazing, and he can help someone through this again, help someone trust again, but just in the relationship, it's, it's um, going to take a lot of work. 
What I'd like to add is, again, it takes that commitment. We talked earlier about the commitment to, to get the spark going again. Well, this also contains a commitment. And whoever the offending party was, you have to submit and learn to be accountable. So whether it's uh, uh, always telling your spouse where you are, what you're doing, and being free to turn over your phone, let them check it. You've got to learn to be accountable mm -hmm. and understand that you broke that trust, and so you, there's a certain consequence for your action. And so now you have to build that trust up again by your actions, by being honest and pure and, 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 and forthright and not giving any other reason to doubt. Um, it's very important that you not give any uh, chance for that person to think, what are they doing? Could they be doing this again? Because their mind's going to go right to that, and it's going to cause more stress mm -hmm. on the other individual. So make sure you got to be committed to it, be willing to, to be completely transparent in everything you do. That's good. Excellent answers. I'm learning some stuff. How about you guys? Yeah. I w just to add on a tiny bit, I think one thing, too, is if you're in, if you had a relationship where trust was broken and that's completely over, then it's really important to um, work on that, work on your heart, work on that issue before you get into a new relationship. That's good. You know, because that's something that can really damage and trip us up later is if we just jump into the next one thinking, well, I'm great. I'm, you know, no big deal. And then you can yeah. really find some issues later on. Um, so specifically for people who have experienced divorce, how do you get past baggage and start new? Good. I think I'll, I'll jump on this one real quick and then Art will give us something really wise uh, after I talk. But uh, I think I haven't been through a divorce, so I don't speak from experience, but from the, the, the experience of helping people walk through divorces and, and kind of that side of it, um, the Bible is very clear, and it says in Malachi that divorce covers the garments with violence. And I think we as a culture are so comfortable with this grenade going off in people's lives. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and be moralistic and like, you know, so we you know everybody, you're so bad because we've had all these divorces. That's not where I'm coming from here. What I want us to understand is that God tells us very clearly that divorce is this, this incredibly destructive thing, that when you have become echad, when you become one in marriage, um, it's not supposed to get pulled apart. And anytime that happens, there's going to be damage and destruction, which I know if you've gone through divorce, you've experienced that, whether that's been, you know, not at a physical level, perhaps, but at an emotional, spiritual level, but with relationships and all this kind of stuff. And I think that one of the things that I would say about this and how you get by, past this when you've gone through this is you really have to lean into the re restoration and healing power of God. And like Bethany said, don't just jump into something. I think that it's appropriate to, to really get yourself, it's like with a wound, if there's a wound that's happened, you don't want to just paper over it and, you know, put, we'll put a Band-Aid on that and there's infection and there's damage and destruction and broken bones on, on in there. When a divorce has taken place, you got to realize in your life you've been ripped apart. It's so important that you get down and get clean and get healed and get right at the very deepest levels. And so what I see typically with, with divorce is that because there's been so much trauma, the immediate thing you want is you want I need another relationship or I need to get past this as fast as I can. And really what needs to happen is there needs to be an appropriate amount of time to get to the deepest part of your soul and let God do work, the deepest work there. And whatever has caused this divorce, whether it was your responsibility or whatever or not, you still have to get that healing at the deepest level. So taking that time to let God do his work, the very deepest level, talking to people, working through this kind of stuff, I think is huge. 
you were going to say something wise. What I was just going to say is, is basically what Jake said. And it also, we earlier were talking about the loneliness time. Well, in that situation, you're going to be lonely. And that's the time to, to, to go after God, get a hold of God, yeah. um, and begin to, to heal, as Jake said. But if you are going to, you meet somebody and you plan to marry again, get proper counseling ahead of time. Make sure that everything is laid out on the table. That person needs to know the hurts that you've suffered, and you need to know the hurts that they've suffered so that you can begin to work together to heal those as opposed to all of a sudden that hurt is happens again. And, again, I hate to go back to my time as a police officer, but, you know, the sad fact is that I, I've been to the house of many uh, uh, physical um, disputes, people, you know, in marriages or boyfriend, girlfriend, and you go in and you there's there's been a physical assault, you arrest somebody, and I remember the one particular lady, I was there the next week arresting another guy out of the same house, okay, same situation. So you've got to heal, you've got to find out and dig deep, let God heal you and work when you find somebody um, and begin to work again to, to make sure that you're compatible and that you understand and that you can work together to heal both of you. Good. So this is kind of um, along the same lines um, with maybe like a people getting married after being married before. But how do you parent someone else's biological child in remarriage? How do you love a child that is not yours? And how do you get a child to accept you? Through God's grace, loving another child. I mean, that can be real easy, but... Um, I think and both of us come from, um, well, he's from a blended family, but broken homes and parents um, that have divorced and are bitter against each other. And I know the greatest way you can show a child love is um, if you're a step-parent um, is not bashing the other parent because kids can hear everything. I'm a preschool yeah. teacher, and I'll have parents come in, and they make these subtle little demeaning remarks about the other parent with their child there and and the greatest thing you can do and it's hard but respect that parent that um mm -hmm. that you've separated from just it's it's such a way to love your child it's good i would just like to add again if you're gonna marry you need to get some books you need to from people maybe find a mentor who's gone through it and is doing well because there's a lot of pitfalls there Number one reason for divorces and first-time marriages are, is money. You have financial problems. The number one reason in second marriages is the children. I did come from a blended family. Um, things like my sixth grade graduation where my mom and my stepmom are yelling and screaming at each other. It got very ugly. You have to understand there's a lot of pitfalls when you go into a blended family. So you want to make sure that you have knowledge, you have wisdom, and you have the ability to, to work through that. An example is if, if you're marrying, if it's a lady and you're marrying a gentleman, he may be paying child support. How is that going to affect you financially? And what kind of resentment is going to give you against him when he's supporting other kids and not your kids? And I, I've seen that argument as well. So there's a lot to learn. Again, be wise, um, but prepare. Uh, let God heal but you really need to know what you're doing before you jump into a second marriage. It's good stuff. It's really good. 
I think one of the things I hear out of this, which I think is applicable to all of life and all relationships, is that respect and honor. Even when you've had a divorce or you've gone through that, you should still respect and do your best to actually build up the other parent, even if they're crazy. You know what I mean? Because you crazy to them, right? Like everybody, everybody has that crazy uncle. Somebody is the crazy uncle. Like that's me to my nephews, and the you know, um, you guys, it's okay. You can laugh about this. Um, but I think respect, you know, we think a lot of times, well, if I tear that, them down, then my kids, they'll, they'll like me more or they'll think I'm better. But that's never how it works. Disrespect and dishonor and disunity and, and bringing other people down, even if they're actually wrong. Come on, somebody. Even if they're actually wrong, that, that's just going to feed into a cycle of dysfunction. And so respecting people, even when they're, when they're disrespectful people or, or they don't, you know, that, that's, that's really the best way to be. I think switching the polarity in our life as followers of Jesus to, to, to give honor and be kind and be courteous and, and build other people up as much as possible, you're just going to help your children in life, you know, in these kind of situations. And I know that's hard, uh, but that's so important to be respectful and, and honoring of others. Want to jump ahead to these? Can I ask you a question? Me? Yeah. <laughs> you're shocked. Um, Bethany, we can come back to six if we need to, but how can single women make themselves available without seeming too available? Judah told me he has an okay, a prepared okay. answer. All right. Woo! Do you want to go? with this feminine side. No, I want to hear no, what you say No, I want to hear first. Judah. Let's hear Judah. Bring it, Judah. Come on, cheer him on. We need... Woo! At first, I thought this question was kind of unfair. I'm like, why are we singling out? women and not just single men and it's the 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 game is kind of rigged i sort of realized like to under society uh, for whatever reason you know guys ought to ask girls out and i think they should guys i think you should but anyways the question to answer, actually get to the question which is how can single women make themselves available without seeming too available i think the answer is really simple once you um once you define what too available means no one wants to be that girl, you know, or, or if no one wants to be that guy that's like, oh, he's, he's too available. He's, <laughs> he's flirting with every girl at the social event, you know, you know she's like flirting with every guy or like what, what in the world? So I think too available is easy to define. Um, it, it's that point where you're not, you're no longer just looking for somebody, you're looking for anybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that goes for guys and it's girls. Single so and after, ready to mingle. After you are, yeah, you can be ready to mingle. Just <laughs> I, and that's cool. But just mm. yeah, lo looking for anybody. You know, just give me somebody. I don't really care what you know. <laughs> yeah. Don't have too many requirements. Just anybody, <laughs> please. Uh, and it's possible to you know to get there. Um, and I I think. With that in mind, okay, that's, if that's too available, what, does, what can you do to be available? I think the answer is simply um, it, go to social events, like make, make some friends and be a friend. It's incredible how, how far that, that will go. And if you're, if you're a single lady and you're going to be, you're, you're just a good friend, some guy's going to come pick you up real soon, I think. So. <laughs> that's all, all right. That's good. Some guy. That's really good, Not Judah. just any guy. That's so good. I think one really, like, practical thing is that um, girls, you know, a lot of times move in packs, you know, and it's easy to be in a pack. And um, so if you, if you are hoping that someone will start talking to you, you got to break away from the pack because guys are not going to break into the pack. That's super intimidating, those packs, which is 
fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're hoping that one of them will talk to you, you got to find a way to get away from the pack for a minute. Pretty much all the relationship advice I could give on this area would be watch the last episode of Stranger Things 2, the, the middle school dance scene. Pretty much has everything right there, yeah. And then the other thing I would say is that, um, you know, for women, this is, this is really hard because there's a fine line where... In, but a lot of the reason is because of the way that other women... Um, talk about women or treat women or things like that. And so one thing I would say is that for, for all women, married, single, whatever, is let's be the kind of sisters that are supportive, that are, um, you know, just there for each other, that we're not there judging and that we're not always talking behind everyone's back. And did you see so-and-so? They are like, so after that person. <laughs> let's not be those people, right? Let's not, let's not foster that environment where, um, you know, that our friends around us feel like they can never talk to anyone because everyone's going to be talking about them. Yeah, it's great. And then also be those kind of friends that can go to your friend and be like, no, no, you're too available. <laughs> like, no, right? So it's it's both ways, but be those kind of people that can talk and it's great. And be those kind of people. So good. Um, we have to we only have like three minutes left. Okay. So um maybe we can get through two questions kind of we quick. We can do it. Um I think this is a good one. How can you or can you have a healthy marriage when you are a believer? So you believe in Jesus, but your spouse does not. Can you have a healthy marriage? Jump in. It's like hot potato. That's a very complicated one. Just just because somebody isn't a believer doesn't mean that they're not a nice person. Right. And so you may find that, that there, are, there are good marriages where they're both unbelievers. Um, and if they respect you enough to allow you to go to church and do your church things and you know, you, I think you could, but is it ideal? No. In raising of children, it's not ideal. Um, but just the marriage itself can be okay. Uh, in a household where children see and understand and know what's going on and know how to play one against the other, uh, you know, I, I don't need to go to church. Dad doesn't go. You know, um, that can be a big thing. So, Again, I'm hoping that this is a decision beforehand, now, not all of you know, I'm yeah. 20 years into this marriage. Is this going to be a good marriage? Again, I believe in, in a slow courtship, wisdom, taking the time, premarital counseling. Uh, it's so important to understand what you're facing, not marry after <laughs> you've met somebody in a month, and then all of a sudden, 10 years down the road, it's like, we're having major problems. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's good. <clears throat> And I think the distinction is between if you're already married and you're a Christian or you've come to Christ and your spouse hasn't, obviously we believe you're, you need to stay in the marriage you are in. There's, yeah. there's never a time when you're like, well, you're not a Christian, so I'm out. That's, that's not yeah. how it works. Um, and so I think, again, you got to keep, keep investing. The, the, it only takes one. People say it takes two to save a marriage. It's actually not true. It's been shown that it just takes one. Because if one person will continually invest and love, and obviously a person could still walk away and break away, in their own free will. But if you, as a follower of Christ, are in a marriage with an unbeliever, you can serve them and show them the love of Jesus and, and be the best witness they would ever have. Like literally having Jesus live with you, if that's how you act, is a, is a great witness for him. Um, and, and so, yeah, you can, you can do that. But like Art's saying, if you, it, on the front end, don't do missionary dating. Well, he's almost a Christian. 
There's no such thing as almost, you know, Christian. That doesn't work that way, guys. And we, a lot of times we, we ignore those red flags. Well, she's almost a Christian. No. Does she love Jesus with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is she all in or not? Is she Krista Ball in or not? You know what I'm saying? Like, is she? Sorry, I had to throw that out there. Okay. Okay, last, we have a couple <clears throat> quick ending ones. Yes. Judah, how are you preparing yourself as a single person for marriage? By learning how to suffer in my current circumstances. <laughs> I'm just, just going to say the truth. If I, if I can't live with three guys uh, and do life and be happy, no way I'm going to be happy living with a woman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just got to figure out how to serve the people I live with, uh, die to myself, and this. then I'll be ready. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> okay, and for, for you guys, what's one thing... So this is for you, Jerry. What's one thing husbands should do? And then for you, Art, what's one thing wives should do? See, you're... you're <laughs> um, I, I think we did a series called Love and Respect, and I think that nails it down. Um, I want to show my unconditional love to Jerry uh, and let her know how much I appreciate everything she does, and, and she does the same back to me. And I think that that's, that's incredible. It's good. Listen to them. It's good. <laughs> Don't be watching TV, reading the paper, whatever you're doing. Really listen to them and hear what they're saying. So good. Good stuff. Let's give them a hand, everybody. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, panel. All right. That's so great.